Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about drones, village people, and we have part two of our interview with Phil Billingham and David Crozier from the concert Rock for Ukraine. Welcome, one and all, to The Kindness Project. My name's Chris, and I'm joined by a man who can't fly his drone, and a girl who hasn't got one. It's Russ and Charlotte. It would be gutted when they told you you can fly your drone, Russ. Yeah, you can imagine my dismay when I called 101, the non-emergency police number, and they said to me, no, you're not allowed to. How did you find out? I phoned 101, the non-emergency police number, and they told me, no, I'm not allowed to. So you bought your drone? I'm just explaining that now. Now, hold on. You bought your drone. You were ready to fly. What made you call 101 instead of just flying the drone? Just uh, There's a warning on the box of the drone to make sure you're not... You're not flying in restricted areas or... And how big is the drone restricted area? It is fairly big. What, uh, all over... It's an Air Force base, isn't it? So... So, so if I bought one... If I bought one... So as 10 I, miles... As I sit now, the yeah. restricted area is to that side and to that side... Right for a podcast, that runs to that side and to right, that side. To the, to the left and right of where I am, we've right. got an airport at Shipton, like a small aircraft airport, and hang up uh, a gliding place at Shipton, and then uh, the Marham Air Force Base, the other side. I mean, you could take your drone somewhere that wasn't restricted, yeah. couldn't you? I could, yeah. Uh, no, no point. <laughs> <laughs> He's not doing it. He's not. He refuses to move with his drone. He wants to sit where he is and use his drone from there. That's not what I wanted it for. So I've got one of the ones. You wanted it for fishing, didn't you? No, I've got one of the ones that follow you as you're moving around, the GPS one, so that, right. I, can, so that I can take it on my walks with me. Right. And for what reason? To record my walk. <laughs> record your walk on a drone. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. And what would you do with the footage from a drone recording your walk? Well, before when I was walking, I used to upload the maps to Facebook. But right. I used to upload the map and, and footage to Facebook. Dad, can't you see the potential for really dramatic music videos? Yeah, but <laughs> Russell walking in a field isn't Tom Cruise jumping over a cliff, is it? Let's be honest. Come on. And you know what? I Actually, I would like to see a music video with Russ singing I Am What I Am in a field in Norfolk. <laughs> with a, just drone footage going, I am well. I, just give us a little bit of that, Russ, just so I, I can visualise it. Pick a different song. What 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 will be your really campaign tune, Russ? I don't know. YMCA. Yes, <laughs> Russ in a field. Drone footage of Russ in the field singing YMCA. Perfect. But 
perfect. Or in the Navy. Either one of them for you, Russ, would be, in the would Navy. be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Dad had a book the maybe, single within maybe, the Navy. Maybe I could get into that cosplay and actually wear a... Yes! <laughs> Village people cosplay. What do you reckon? I, I might... Uh, well, we can also put him on a roof. Right, yeah. How <laughs> about this? For the next team meeting at the financial planning business I run, Cervello, we all come as one of the village people. I've got a stash specially for it as well. Perfect. So what one's got a stash? I can't remember. Was it the policeman? Yeah. Right. Rasi's the policeman. Who are you coming as? I don't know. I haven't seen that video. Well, the village people. No. You know the village people, are they? I don't know the video, though. Right, so, so oh, there was a... Yeah. Right, the village people contained a policeman. I want to say a fireman. I think a traffic warden. A tra <laughs> traffic <laughs> warden. A Native American. Hold on, let me Google it. You two, you two talk between yourself, and I'll just Google who was in village people. What characters? Right, chat between yourself. That is why I'm a straight eighties music. I like a bit of, I like a bit of eighties music. I'm a bit more into, you know, uh, what is it you always say about my taste in music? It's quirky voices over guitars or ukuleles. Right. Okay. So here's here's what we need to decide. You ready? So, the village people included. Um, hold on. Uh, some add the hit singles. Macho Man, In the Navy, Go West, which is an absolute banger, and YMCA. Um, all great, great songs. And The Village People contained a um, construction worker, um, construction worker, policeman, cowboy. Native American, the soldier, and Glenn Hughes. I don't know where. <laughs> Do you want to say this? <laughs> Glenn Hughes's character hasn't got a job. He's just called the Leatherman. The Leatherman, a man dressed oh, in leather. I love now, a bit of leather. Now who should I be at those? I'm not being the Leatherman. I want to say that for us. Russ, <laughs> come as the Leatherman, mate. Yeah, Leatherman. What one are you going to come as? The cowboy. Look, you're doing the cowboy. What one no, should I do? No, what one, what one should I do? I think the construction worker is my bag. I mean, it, it's ironic. It's ironic, clearly, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not particularly handy. But the construction worker, who are you going to come as a Leatherman, Russ? Wear your moustache and come as a Leatherman. I've got a spandex suit, like a body suit. Spandex man. Spandex man. That wasn't in the village people's spandex man. Where did that come from? He's just using what he's got in his cupboards. Yeah. What else you got in your cupboard? I've got. So where did you get a spandex suit from? I brought it when I was going to the gym. And Spandex? It, it said it, it works quite well. Works quite well for what? Um, exercise. Spandex? I brought it off Amazon. 
Well, so I need to find out more about his spandex suit from <laughs> from the self-proclaimed man it, of it, spandex. It's um, not lazy. Right, right. So, what is spandex? Is it it's like a stretchy material? Right. So, Sometimes it's shiny. Is, is it shiny? No, it's not shiny. No. What color is it? Black. Black spandex. Okay, you've you've gone like sort of, and and is it a one-off suit or is it like trousers and a top? Trousers and a top. Trousers and a top. Okay, good. Let's give him a belt to cover up the sailor line. Um, uh, does it come with a belt? No, it don't come with. We'll a get belt. you a belt. Don't worry. <laughs> does it come with a spandex hat? No. A little swimming cap. We'll get you a little swimming cap to go with it. Um, does it has it got a big S on the front like Superman? No, 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 no. As in spandex man. No. Because if not, we'll have to get you one of those. We'll, we'll get some belt from we'll get a big S and we'll put We're gonna get a Brass is a new hit superhero. It's gonna be it's gonna be part of the new Avengers movie as spandex man. I'm man, Captain America. Whoever Iron Man's going to be now, and Spandex Man. It's time to have this. I wish my name was Steve. I could be Spandex Steve. <laughs> I think Spandex Ras works, to be honest. No. Don't you? No. All right. I mean, let's, let's mix it up a bit. Razzy Spandex. <laughs> oh, no. He likes that. Razzy Spandex. <laughs> right. Just combine it all together, like Russ Spandex. <laughs> Russ Spandex. Oh. Respandex, man. Respandex. Respandex. That's my next then website, Bill. Did it? Respandex, man. I wonder if I can uh, add to my LinkedIn bio. Please, can you chat? Can you use AI to, uh, to use Midjourney to well, create a um, uh, character um, called Spandex, man? In mid journey, and can you send us a picture so we can? Uh, I get, think is that I, right? I think I can do that. In uh, if I can get a picture of myself, I will see if I can superimpose uh, a spandex suit on it on Firefly. Nobody wants to see that, Rav. <laughs> you dribble down your mouth. You dribble it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the re- the reason I am is because uh, I'm just I'm just a bit. Confused about how this conversation. I'm a bit confused about how this conversation's gone. Um, I wish, I wish I could, I wish I had time traveling abilities and gone back ten minutes before you, before the image of you in spandex is permanently imprinted on my brain. Um, right, okay. Can we move on very, very quickly from Russell in spandex? Okay. Um, and I want to talk today about um, kindness at work because mm. um, uh, Russ sent me a link to a sorry, not Russ, Russ Spandex. Russ Spandex sent me a link to a article about the importance of kindness at work, and we've got some interviews actually coming up talking about kindness at work. We've got Deborah Corey coming up, haven't we? We're, we're running them now, so... Yeah, so we've got some interviews that are all about uh, being more appreciat- uh, appreciative at work and how we can do that. 
Um, so this week's kindness news is all about that. Kindness fosters a healthy workplace culture that supports growth and resilience, as well as empathizing mistakes uh, uh, and learning from them. Writing in Forbes, uh, a leading uh, researcher believes that leading with kindness has numerous benefits for an organization's success. So just having difficult conversations and providing feedback in a safe environment. Avoiding these conversations does not benefit the team in the long run, she added, and it and it as it hinders their growth and resilience. The researcher also believes that positive energy attracts positive energy. By working with people who share the organization's core values, such as kindness, a healthier workplace can be uh, uh, created. She shared that her particular employer's people-first approach treats employees as individuals, not numbers, and encourages learning. Certainly something that um, we try and do um, uh, as well. In addition, uh, the researcher sees mistakes as opportunities for growth and learning, and explained that it's essential to reassure employees that they should not be afraid to make mistakes because those moments allow us to flourish, learn from those mistakes, and get better. Finally, empathy is a secret weapon uh, when navigating business challenges, as it allows leaders to cut through the surface and understand another person's perspective, which can lead to the advancement of critical issues. I love that, and I think there's some really fair points well made. It's not about, I think for me, it's not about not being a, accountable in business, but it's about trying to deal, it, deal with it in a way that uh, actually builds resilience and it helps people learn and develop in a way that, that they can help. I think accountability actually is important in any workplace, but um, the reality is if we can do that with a bit of kindness, it's it's really important to do. Um, and certainly a culture where mistakes will happen, but happen, but we can learn from them is a, is a big one because I've I've worked in organisations where that doesn't happen, and guess what? Mistakes carry on. Nobody talks about it, and it never gets fixed. Mm. So, really important to have the ability to have that open and honest conversation. And I think you start that by creating a culture where everybody shares. So, I, I really like the idea. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's important to have open and honest discussions and sort of be to yeah. sort of like yeah. No, what, you're right. what do you think, Russ? I've been, uh, I've worked with you as well as on on this project, and you do, you do have an open, open policy to come to you and with guidance, not just because I'm your brother, but for work wise as well. So, um, and I'm that's always going to continue as long as you promise me one I'm thing. Sure. Never wears bandex to a meeting. Um, I don't know if you've picked up on this, Russ, but he does this thing when he, with his eyes when he starts saying something serious and you can tell it's going to turn to a joke. Yeah. And that's... I, I don't know what you mean, Charlotte. Um, right, okay, so let's move on to part two of the interview with Phil and David. Phil and David did some amazing work uh, with the uh, Rock for Ukraine concert. Uh, and we continue to share that story this week. So after after experiencing all that, 
you're thinking about raising money and, and you know what sort of the the the, the impact of the dignity dignity centers is going to be how do you start organizing a, an event like for ukraine to... where's the connection between we're raising money to we're doing a concert that's so, going to raise money yeah. you're you're starting from the premise that we actually planned it and that we <laughs> yeah and that wasn't the way it was um like all these things <sighs> I guess we, we got so involved with the, 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 the Dignity Centre, what we saw, so David and I then used our best offices to persuade the PFS to step up and, 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 and appoint them as the, the charity for the PFS um, festival. And that raised a certain amount of money, and that was great. And, and it was, I was sat at my desk trying to get back to real life, and the phone rang, and, and it's Chris Bird on the phone from the band Consumer Duty, who were put together purely to play at the PFS event. Hi, Phil. Well, the band have been, and I, we've been chatting, and what we'd like to do is play another gig. Oh, great. And we'd like to support uh, the, the, the you know, we'd, we'd love what Paul had said, he was there, um, and we'd like to support uh, Refugee Support Europe and do it for them. And uh, basically, we want you to put a gig on, and, uh, and and we'll and we'll pay the gig. And so I rang David and said, "This is the conversation I've just had." And David's response was, "Well, we can't say no because this is a, an immense opportunity." Opportunity, yeah. Um, neither one of us had the first clue of how to do this i think it's fair to say i was so far out of my comfort zone i couldn't have seen it with a very long telescope with a different time zone and david will no doubt testify that uh, i got quite stressed about things simply because if it went wrong it let so many people down it got so important and i probably over obsessed about it to be completely truthful but that's just the way of the beast the band were very clear they give their time very generously they were fabulous i mean they put themselves through a lot of uh, stress and put themselves out there mm. on behalf of the people so you know that they've got to get, get given the main credit for this um but they were very clear that they their job was to to be the main event uh, and and it was for us to to put the the context and the surrounding place. So yeah. that's what we did. So, so, so I, suppose, I suppose my comment as I was there was that it was an amazing night. Really enjoyed it. So you you clearly did a, a a a brilliant job. I suppose the question I've got is what skills have you got to learn to be a event skilled promoter that you didn't have in your kit bag? Um, none. So so I think I think the. I actually think the main strength that we were able to do was that we know people, uh, and mm. and so, so um, we spoke to Ella at um, at Cityware, who is Ukrainian, and and uh, I knew that, and she put us in touch with with Stationers Hall, and she uh, pulled some strings and got some uh, you know some other some of her. Uh, Ukrainian friends to to come along and to um, sing at it and to chevy some stuff up, but but it was basically a matter of then speaking to people who knew people to come and and, and sponsor it. And the likes of Mark Locke at, at um, yeah 
uh, at the Lancaster was tremendous. Yeah, so, incredible. So nothing other than that hits part of knowing people and making the calls. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think as well it's that element of saying people are willing to help for a good cause, aren't yeah. they? You know, yeah. you, you've got. Has it surprised you in terms of its impact, or or, or what, what 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 are your thoughts around that? No. Um, so I, I'm going to say that I was a lot more relaxed about Shellana. I always knew that we would we would risk that they would have no fears on it at all. Yeah. My one concern was um, that we wouldn't have a big a good crowd on the night uh, because people are, are busy people and have other things to do. And I think I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think on the Monday I think we had about 70 people going, uh, which is which wouldn't have felt like a good night. And in the end, to finish up at 200, so um, I had no concerns whatsoever. That we would we would raise significant amounts of money. Yeah, no, that's great. Talk talk to me a little bit about the impact of the fund. So, so the funds go to refugees for Europe. What's yes. been the what's been the direct impact of of, of 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 being able to give them that money? Well, David's given you the numbers. So Cosmo Moldova is a very cheap place. Um, you know, you, you're looking at being able to not feed with luxury, but but make a big difference to the quality of of, of life and food for somebody for seven pounds. Yeah, you know, you, you divide the one into another, and and that's that's a lot of families in a small country uh, that's not very wealthy. So you're you're adding a significant amount, and and it means. And it's not only, it's a couple of things, I think. It's, it's one, it's a direct line. Money raised on a, on a Thursday can be feeding people on a Monday. You know, that's the impact of raising money, not sending goods. Um, the second thing is, it's very, very, very hard to run a charity that's that's constantly asking for money and spending money on on people because you're you're projecting forward on the hope that the money's going to arrive. It is you 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 you're almost building the walkway in front of you as you're walking off the cliff. It, it's very very hard to do that. Um, and what I think that led to do, and you're going to have to ask Paul this directly. Um, is for them to to make that commitment to leave the shop open for a bit longer to be that support so so that the, the families that are being fed there have a have have a a continuity a, 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 there's a security there that every other part of their life has has been without nice. uh, and, and, and so so it's it's as much psychological and emotional as it as it is practical i think david's nodding but you're, you've seen this david i mean what, what's your thoughts yeah. so so i think the figure uh, that paul gave um was that it was about 1500 families for a month uh, because you need there's obviously the cost of running the place and there's, there's, there's a few other costs but it's still nothing significant so there's the direct practical um Phil has referred to there's the psychological um su support don't forget also the fact that the money's been spent on the local economy. Um, yeah. and, you know, yeah. so, so, so that's important to you. So we, we, we asked Paul this back at, a, um, at an event we did in, in um, at Octo members in, in, in October. Like, what do you want? Do, do you want clothes? Do, do you want? He says no. He says honestly. He says I need money. He says, mm. I, I, a van load of 
food in the UK is pointless because it's more expensive there and I have to get it. Whereas yeah. over there, it's cheaper. <clears throat> it's the stuff that people want. So, for example, uh, people eat different stuff. And it's not being racist or anything like that. Or uh, It's just a, they eat buckwheat. What's yeah. buckwheat? You know, I, just for example. Um, so they, they eat a bit differently because it's Eastern Europe than, than, than we do here. Um, so, so and, and it's there, and you're supporting the look of all the stuff you, you pick it up. Yeah, it's a win-win, isn't it? It's not, it's not, it's not, yeah. it's not yeah. brands that you or I recognise. It's, it's, rest, it's written in Romanian and, and Russian. Yeah. I'm sure Kellogg's and McVitie's don't need the money that much, to be honest. I'm no. like, so the, the, the supporting the local economy is, 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 a, is an additional win mm. uh, as, a, as opposed to, to, to feeding everybody, isn't it? I think. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think it's fair to, so, and especially with like, you're saying that like a weekly shop for an entire family for seven pounds, like that's not 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 quite, it's not quite not quite that. So that's seven pounds per adult, and then it's half that for a child. Right. Yeah. But even so that's, then, that's like... yeah, yeah, it's not a lot. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that that element of, and I, I think you're right. I think that just period of when Paul spoke at the event. I think the point that I raised was just just bringing some dignity back to these people's lives. That's was what, the... 21 quid for a full family? Yeah, yeah, For a yeah. week? Yeah. A weekly yeah. shop for a full family over here would be... A lot more than that. 100 plus pounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Like, you know. And, and I, I, I think, Bill, you raised a really interesting point because I've now been following what Paul's up to at Refugee Support, and that direct action charitable work like the work that they're now doing in turkey and we're, we're going to be speaking yeah. to Paul, uh, on a future podcast you know being there when that support is needed not two two years later was that part of the motivation to make sure you partnered with them what 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 about refugee support europe meant that you thought that they were the charity for you i think two things um one was the immediacy; they were there and running within two weeks, I think, and 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 the the need the need was now, um, and and what we've learned over the last year or so is is that speed of action is 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 a, is a super weapon, if you like, it's from yeah. a better, better, better expression, um, and and then, and again, that's not just that's not just. Um, from a physical, practical point of view, a psychological point of view, it, it was somebody caring, somebody turning up. We, yeah, David and I, and, and, and again, Shannon almost became, not quite tourist figures, but we we were, we were sp spoiled in a very humbling way because we were the people that turned up, and we turned up a few times, and and other people aren't, and 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 people psychologically, it's you know nobody knows where Moldova is, and and. You keep looking, and I've got this great big map of Europe and wherever, and, and Moldova's not on it. It keeps off the, the falls off the right-hand edge of the page, and it's the least visited. And people were, well, why are you here? You know, and, and not in a bad way, but but that. So I think Paul, going back to David's analogy, built Paul providing something for, for for the volunteers in particular and other people to push on and turn up from different parts of the world is a very physical sign to people that, it, that, that the story is out there somewhere that, that, that some people some people do care so I think it was 
it was that that immediacy and that practicality and that emotional stuff. But also, I, I've got to say the business model, and it is a business model. You can tell Paul's a businessman, that business model, and it's a very clear, strict, disciplined yeah. business model. That means it's it can be replicated, it can be implemented, it, all those things. So as business people, I think David and I looked at that and went, we understand the business model and, and we understand where we can help with that business model. Yeah. So there was an attraction to that clarity well, and I that clarity is not always there in other places. I, some of the, I mean, I mean you, and I'm pretty sure you guys have had conversations like this as well, but when we have conversations about philanthropy with clients, they want to see impact, right? You know, They want to see bang mm. for their buck effectively. <clears throat> And it yeah. sounds like Paul's been really good at making sure that the money donated has been spent in a way that's really powerful. Yeah, so I, I can attest from personal experience that, that they very much do track those metrics. And so the, the, the discipline actually sometimes is a, is a bit, it, it cuts across the heart that people have. So for example, when, when people come to the shop, they must have their papers, they must prove it, that they are who they say they are. And, you know, you can kind of fudge around the edge of the first time if they've got a photocopy or uh, you know, stuff like that, it'll be a different piece of paperwork to prove who they are. But ultimately, if they're coming back a second time, they know and they don't have the original paperwork, you don't get anything because it has to be disciplined. And then you get people, um, these youngsters that are, you know, we worked with two girls that were, um, you know, in their in their late twenties, and another lady that was in her seventies, they were they were there because they wanted to help the people. I think turning these people away, um, but no. we, we, we have to. And, and these, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so the other thing about them, and I'm going to move on to that, is the people that are there, they have such a heart for other people. Um, it's just incredible. There's a lady there. She's she lives in the world now. She's in her in her seventies. And she, every, you know, once or twice every year since she's been retired, she's worked with refugee support. She runs a market garden, sells the stuff at the front gate, and it all goes to refugee support. It, you know, okay. the, 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 um, the heart that people have is just incredible. And these are, these are able people. When there was a lassie there, she's born in Moldova, lives in Italy, has volunteered all over Europe. You know, she speaks uh, Romanian, um, she speaks Romanian, Italian and English fluently, speaks French and Russian. Um, and you know, she would say she um, sort of speaks German uh, as well. well. She speaks German probably better than I speak English. And these are clever, clever people that have basically devoted their lives to, to helping other people. Yeah, love it. I mean, it's, it's an inspiration. I'd imagine going there and meeting the people who have donated their time and expertise to... To, to support important work he's doing has been has been pretty inspirational. Do you want that? Did you want um, so, is there any more plans to not necessarily any more concerts, but like any well, other? Hold on, hold on. Now you're expert. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to jump in here before Phil gets a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there Absolutely. any more plans to hold any more events? So what's generally? next? Yeah. 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 So Apart from you guys taking a bit of a holiday, because right. So, so, so I'm going to say two things. One. I, I would love to do it again. Um, and I think there's a bit of interest out there in doing it. We've kind of sort of asked a few questions and if we're going to do it, we'll probably need to get serious about it reasonably soon. I think we should do one up in the north somewhere. Um, you know, somewhere Leeds, Manchester, Liverpool, um, because you know, there was a lot of people up there that didn't come down would have liked to go involved, yeah. but would like to go. So uh, I've made a few tentative inquiries about a venue. 
Um, Sorry, so Sean, did you say UK tour? Don't no. <laughs> guys, don't like, should we do one concert at a time? I mean, yeah. on. well, one at a time. So, uh, so if anybody has any, anybody listening to this has any ideas for a good venue, Leeds, Manchester, Liverpool, Sheffield, let you know, please, please get in touch. The second thing that I want to do, I would encourage people to do, is go there. And this comes back to what I said right at the very start about. Um, and I, I learned this with Reserva last time. So Natasha and Sergey, the two interpreters, are from Odessa. You need to come to Odessa. Now, it, really? Yeah, it's gorgeous. It, the restaurants are open, the theatres are open. The only thing you can't do is swim in the sea because there's mines there. I got to thinking about this. This is how I felt during the troubles. I wanted people to come to Northern Ireland, and it really wasn't any more dangerous than crossing the street at Trafalgar Square. Yeah. And, you know, you, there are, my sister has a, has a Ukrainian refugee and her, and her son living with her, and they're going back to Cherovetsky, uh, don't ask me to pronounce this properly, which is there, and they're getting air raids, but there, there are no bombs falling. So I would love to go to, to Moldova again, and I would love, next time I go, I'm definitely going to go to Odessa, because they need to know that people are listening, and that, that people want to support them, spend things in the local economy. That's, that's the second thing I, think, I want to I do. Think you made a, I think both of you, to start the interview, made a really important point about that sort of travel, because travel does, you know, and it, it is a bit cliched, but I think you know a lot of cliches ultimately begin with a kernel of truth. That, that expanding the mind through travel, meeting people in different countries, understanding there's different views of the world, particularly when there's stuff going on in the world that we don't understand particularly well, is important, right? I, I, I completely agree. It's it's a, a joy and a privilege. And, I, and, I, and yeah, I, I speak no languages, so I turn up and, and, and speak English and smile and, 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 and hope I get through. Um, bizarrely, by the way, uh, Kishnau, second language of Kishno is English. The street yeah. signs are in English, the restaurants work in English, and 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 there is no problem with that in Kishno. It's not so true when you get the villages, but it's true in Kishno. And and when when I say, well, hang on, this is very convenient for me, why is this the case? Apparently English is a cool language as far as they're concerned. And uh so so to David's point, go to Kishno, which is a physically beautiful city that has great wine, in case we haven't mentioned it, a couple of really nice restaurants, um, and more than a couple. David kept finding more than I hadn't found, and, and so those are on my list now as well. Uh, but I've never had a bad meal in Kishnau, um, and and never been treated with anything but uh, joy and uh, friendliness and a willingness to help at every point. Love that. Uh, it's a very safe city, um, um, and, and and very you know, under the street art and all the stuff going on. So so Kishinev, and it, and for us, it's cheap. You know, yeah. David, I don't mind me saying so. I'd booked them in, we booked us all in a hotel we'd stayed in before, and and David looked at the price we were booking, and I don't think you were too sure what the quality of this was going to be, and you thought you might be roughing it, um, and and I think you're a bit taken aback by the four-star hotel <laughs> that we, we were in for £70 a night. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you, you paid for the, for the four-night, we were there Thursday to Monday, uh, and, and you paid pretty much what you would pay in London for one night. 
for a four-star yeah. hotel. Uh, it, to, to be fair, it's a bit more expensive. It has got a bit more expensive, but but it's certainly nothing close to that. It, it's, and, it's and on, very on that particular point, how easy is it now to travel into right. now and Mark? So, so it it's it's a bit of a challenge to get to. If I'm really honest, we we had booked. There are direct flights flights from Dublin. In fact, theoretically, there's three direct flights from Dublin to Kishinev. Um but I wouldn't rely on them again, to be honest truth. Um, so our flight out on a Friday was cancelled on a Thursday. Um, we ended up going through Yashin, Romania, um, which is a, it's a three-hour bus journey. It's not, not a problem. If, yeah, yeah. And then on our way back, we were advised, don't rely on Air Moldova. They, they probably won't fly. Some some of it is because of missiles. On the way out, it was, it was airspace. On the way back, I think the flight actually went, but at that time, we didn't take the chance. I needed to get home speed. So we did an indirect flight. We went um, Turkish through um, through Istanbul. But I think what I would do if I was going to get in, just do what we did, would we fly to Romania and get the bus. But there's a really interesting journey that you can take, which Phil and Shannon have done, is you can go by train from Chisinau to Bucharest. Um, and it's an overnight train journey. Um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of an adventure. But I think I would, I would want to go and spend a bit of time in Romania anyway because what we saw that was just fantastic beautiful and again very friendly and welcoming and not and not expensive so yeah to answer your question not that easy but if you're prepared to take a bit of time about getting there and getting home again it's treated like an adventure potentially yeah Yeah. treated like a bit of an adventure yeah we we did a Charlotte and I did a trip last year. We did 15 countries in 28 days around Europe, didn't we? And it was, uh, right. it was good fun. Right. It was, it was made, made interrating. So we did nice hotels, but we did sort of just literally flew into, so we flew into Copenhagen, did all of Scandinavia. Yeah, we did 15. By, by, by train. Yeah. Train, boat, and bus. Right. So yeah, it was wow. it, it, it was it was good fun. Seeing countries, I think we did nineteen different cities because we went to we were like in like two or three. Yeah, we went Germany a few Germany. times, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and twenty eight days, it was yeah. It was, it was good. good fun. It was good fun. So yeah, treat it like like an adventure. Sounds, sounds good fun. Um, where can people find out? I mean, certainly we want to support refugees. Uh, support Europe. We want to showcase. What they're doing, but where can people find out about sort of rock for Ukraine and where's the where well tour? Sorry, not world tour, UK tour first. We'll start, let's start. Small. Let's start a bit smaller. Where's where okay. where can people find out more about the amazing work you're doing? Well, I'm not sure. I, I feel I'm doing amazing work, so I think my focus is very much on on supporting oh. what what Paul um, are, it, it is doing. I think David has eventually probably convinced me that 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 uh, Rock for Ukraine, the the sequel, is 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 going to happen and is inevitable. So we need to have that 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 conversation. I think we've half promised people, and uh, I think we've had a bit of a break and 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 uh, but time to go back and and apply what we learned. Uh, that's very much down to the band. To be fair, that's not our call. Um, but uh, if we can make life easy for the band and and um make treat their time with respect and 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 they're up for it then i think that that would be a great thing but trust me um anybody in financial services that um 
is at all awake will know exactly what we're doing because we will tell them loud and loud and clear um the need is still there so there is still an imperative i, I we've gone quiet dave has been to, to moldova i need to figure out what we're doing David and I are trying to deal with an issue at the moment of getting mobility aids across to, to, to Kishinev, and that's proving to be a bit more of a, a challenge, which we think we've solved, but I'm still playing with that, and that's on my desk to do today. Um, I think the Rock for Ukraine website's still up. I'm not, yeah. I haven't checked it yeah. last week, um, and we, we'd probably just just riff off that. That's our good friends at uh, Phil Bray and all, all his wonderful people at Yardstick who put a fab, fabulous website together for us for free and, and, and were just so generous with their time and, and, and effort as ever. So, and, and, and I think that speaks to Dave, David's point about we just asked people. We know, it turns out we know some fabulous people. We just, some of the people we know, you know, Bruce, Bruce MCing it, we just asked her and she turned out, you know, um, Tom's auctioneering, you know, who will ever forget that? That was a, a, an exercise in live theatre. <laughs> that was astonishing but made a difference he, he really made a difference so so we know some fabulous people and and if we can't if we can ask them again humbly and politely some of them might want to to do again yeah Mar marlene was brilliant yeah marlene I, I hesitate to ask marlene for a, a penny more you know she's just been the most generous person with her time and her expertise so so people it's not just us we were the front of it but it's like being at the front of a mall as, as david said you know what yeah, if, if you're on your own in the mall, you, you just get flattened. If you, your eight mates piled behind you, you might actually achieve something. And I think that's what we did. We were the people at the front. But let, let me extend a personal thank you from me and from my, sort of my experience of it. Just thank you for being the front runners and, and getting it all kicked off. It's amazing work. Well done. Thank you for joining us on the Climate Project today. We've loved interviewing you. Thank, thank you. you very much. So that's part two of the interview. Um, it is the end of another podcast and the start of a notoriously bad joke. It's, it's joke of the it's week. It's part of the format. The joke is supposed to be bad so that you can pretend it's even worse than it actually is. And Ross can pick your laugh. It's the format now. Got it. <laughs> Why couldn't the sunflower ride its bike? Don't know. Because it had lost its petals. I mean, that doesn't even make sense, Ross, does it? I mean, look at you shaking your head on the other side there. That is just that's poor. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, my friends, have a lovely week and we will see you on the podcast soon. Bye. Bye.